What's up, everyone? Welcome back. This is the rapid-fire portion of my interview with Jan Pritzker. Jan is the author of the book Inventing Bitcoin. It's a very accessible way for people to learn about Bitcoin for the first time. So if you have those people in your life that uh, you know, you've been trying to educate about Bitcoin or you've had those conversations and nothing really landed, uh, Jan's book is definitely a very accessible way for people to get a general and basic understanding of what Bitcoin is. So in this portion of the show, I ask Jan the standard set of rapid fire questions and then follow up with some word associations. And that's it. If you want to hear more of our longer discussion, that's in the further discussion episode. If you're interested in hearing more of his story and just a really nice conversation between the two of us, I highly recommend you check that out. And that's it. Enjoy. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to break into the rapid fire portion now okay um i don't know if you've listened to previous shows or you're familiar but what i'll do is i'll just ask you the first part is i'll ask you a question and you can answer however long or short as you as you want but there's just a number of questions in sequence and then the last part is a word association where i'll say a word and you just tell me the first thing that pops <laughs> into your mind all right let's do this all right what is money um it's a way for us to to communicate value it's a way for us to Basically, uh, perform some work and then have something that we can, uh, you know, not not exchange that work for something right away, but maybe store it for later and then uh, spend it on something uh, later. That's how I see it. If you had to explain Bitcoin to your grandmother or elderly person, what would you say? Um, I would say it's a new kind of money uh, that is digital, just like the majority of your dollars today, uh, but it is not under the control of the government. Instead, it's under the control of a bunch of computers. So it's kind of like internet money. Um, and it's not, no one person can really influence how much of that money is created. It's, it's set in stone and um, it's portable. It's, uh, you know, you can't, nobody can take it from you. You can just kind of squirrel it away for a rainy day. What is the primary reason why Bitcoin is important or interesting to you? Uh, because it, I think, has the biggest potential for um, freeing people from oppressive uh, regimes all over the world. Uh, it gives people a way to create a sort of stash on the side of a money that is very difficult for anybody to seize from them. And that in and of itself creates uh, an opportunity for those people uh, to perhaps escape adverse conditions, get out of a country that has a failing economy, an oppressive government. Um, and hopefully over time, that very thing actually puts a check on governments and puts a check on those oppressive regimes from even uh, coming forward in the, in the first place. What does the sovereign individual mean to you? Um, I mean, sovereignty to me is about being in control of your own destiny. And uh, having Bitcoin is a big part of that. Uh, having a money that you know is uh, accepted worldwide, that is portable, um, that is yours alone and that nobody can take from you is a huge part of being able to be in charge of your own destiny. Um, you can vote with your money. You can... Um, you know, make moves with your money. You can you can leave your country with money. Um, that is something that is not possible in the world where we're getting into, which is a fully digital uh, world uh, controlled by governments. You're going to see more and more restrictions on the flows of capital because it becomes so easy. So, uh, a sovereign individual is somebody who is in charge of their own destiny, and you can only do that if you're in charge of your own money. How long after you first heard of Bitcoin did you start learning more about it and then purchase it? <laughs> I um, heard about it in 2011, bought the top of the $30 bubble, um, forgot about it. Uh, heard about it in 2013, bought the top of the $1,000 bubble, 
forgot about it. Uh, both of those times I sold at the bottom, by the way. So don't worry, don't don't try to like uh, don't try to break into my house and steal the coins that I no longer have. Uh, so I would say from the first time I heard about it was 2011 to the time I actually read about it was 2016. So despite that I had you know bought some without understanding it, it took me five years to actually start to understand it. Um, and it probably will take me the rest of my life to continue to understand it. <laughs> what has been your most effective method of educating people about Bitcoin in conversation or more formally? Uh, it's been, you know, telling them about some of the stuff that's going on in the world. Um, some of the trends we're seeing, uh, for example, China with its uh, fully, almost fully digital payment systems and the amount of um, surveillance the government has on the payment systems. Uh, it's about telling them about inflation in general. Um, I've, for example, given talks at high schools where uh, I've tried to give kids uh, an understanding of inflation by showing them a candy bar from the 50s, which used to cost five cents. Same, five cents, same candy bar today costs one to two dollars. So, you know, you start to ask, like, why did it get more expensive when obviously our manufacturing and everything else has gotten way more efficient with technology? And you start to understand that there's uh, that inflation is a thing. Um, so yeah, some of those um, some of those narratives around both inflation and uh, surveillance and government control over money has have been effective for me. What movie or song is most related to Bitcoin in your opinion? Whoa, <laughs> uh, The Matrix probably. <laughs> it's probably the obvious one. Uh, you know, getting red pilled, you kind of just go down and you wake up and you realize like, wow, this whole world I've been living in is uh, just yeah, this is not the real world, you know. Like I just, I've just entered into a whole different uh, like sphere with real money, hard money, money that you know is, isn't just like arbitrarily created by some random entities. Can Bitcoin be stopped? If so, what is Bitcoin's biggest vulnerability? If not, why not? Um, I I don't believe it can be stopped completely, um, and the reason is because what I imagine to be the worst attack would be like to make the chain completely unfunctional. So let's say some state takes. You know, all the resources they have, they, they'll take, you know, billions, trillions of dollars even. Um, they will buy up all of the ASICs. They'll manufacture all the ASICs. They will uh, spend all of this energy in the, of the world just like attacking Bitcoin, right? Making it completely unusable. Because remember, attacking Bitcoin, all you can do is really um, starve the chain from moving forward or something like that. Uh, basically making it unusable. Well, what happens in that scenario? They can sustain that attack for some amount of time. But first of all, they're fighting against the, the entirety of the, the rest of the world, which can build the hash power in that time. Um, but even if they do, we can always fork the system and create a new one that's, that makes our, their ASICs uh, useless. And it'll be like a phoenix rising, right? Uh, Bitcoin will come back. It will come back maybe in a slightly different form. Um, and because of that, why would they even go through all of that rigmarole of attacking in the first place? Because they know that they can't really kill it. All they can do is cripple it temporarily. Um, you know, all they're doing is spending a lot of resources on that. So I don't, I don't think it's stoppable in that way. Uh, even if we were to find some flaw in the uh, cryptography, let's say, let's say that uh, the digital signature algorithm was broken and we were able to, um, you know, reveal any private key. Well, again, we could just fork the system and, and start fresh. And that, the, the idea of Bitcoin is not going away. There's just no way to kill that. Um, it's coming back, baby. It's Hydra. <laughs> 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 uh, what was your most recent aha or level up in your understanding of Bitcoin? Um, oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, I've been writing on Bitcoin for such a, a while, I feel like uh, I understand it relatively well. But I think the um, reading about the multi-sig developments and, and how 
um, how vault technology works and with time locks and multi-sig and stuff that they're developing to make Bitcoin more secure for storage was really cool uh, because I'm learning that Bitcoin isn't just, you know, on the surface you think of Bitcoin as a system for storing money and, and sending it around and stuff, but there's a lot more to the programmable aspects of it to, and the conditions we can make around spending, um, around, you know, passing that money down to, let's say, our kids and locking it for 18 years. I mean, there's stuff like that that we could be doing uh, that's really cool. So I think that would be one of them. What do you think will be Bitcoin's biggest impact on society? I think it will be to give people, uh, like I said, an option to escape uh, a broken economic system. And that is a huge impact on the structure of society because if governments can't really finance uh, their their expansion with, with people paying taxes and stuff like that, uh, and people are fleeing their country, then that's going to be a problem. And I also see that Bitcoin puts a check on government spending in general as governments do more and more sort of bad stuff. Let's say they're um, printing money to finance wars and their people are now going and storing that uh, money in Bitcoin. Well, that's reducing the government's ability to actually uh, spend on wars. And so hopefully I see it bringing about more peace and uh, more equitable conditions for people in the world as they uh, flee bad governments and those governments crumble to be replaced by Bitcoin or governments. <laughs> nice. Or, or no government when? at all, right? If you want to be really hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, when, if ever, do you think the first central bank will start adding Bitcoin to, to their reserves uh, and add on, will they exist in 20 years? Um, I do think central banks will continue to exist because I don't think the fiat system is going away anytime soon, um, at least not in our lifetimes. But of course, this is complete speculation, so I don't know. Um, I, I think that Bitcoin is going to start out as a sort of side thing like gold where people are, are storing some of their wealth in it. Um, you know, there's seven or eight trillion dollars worth of gold out there. And that's a, some decent portion of the world's monetary base, but it's not um, meaningful, really. Uh, so we could see Bitcoin take that role for the next 25 years, maybe even 50 years. Um, and that would be pretty big for Bitcoin, but pretty small for the world. Uh, and fiat banks could continue to exist. Uh, do they see them adding Bitcoin to their balance sheets? Possibly. I mean, we've already seen Jay Powell come out and say that he sees Bitcoin as a sort of digital gold, digital speculative Crazy. store of value. Like, who would have thought five years ago that we'd see central bankers saying that, right? Um, the head so, of the Fed, no less. Yeah. And again, it's a generational uh, shift for me. It's maybe not the guys who are 15, 60 years old running these banks. Maybe it's the 20 and 30 year old current uh, people who are going to be the chairman of the Fed, you know, 25 years from now. Those are the people who are going to know Bitcoin as normal and they may well add them to the balance sheets. What is the biggest mistake you've made with Bitcoin? <laughs> Uh, selling at two dollars, <laughs> buying at thirty and selling at two—that was the worst mistake of my life, literally. The worst. Don't do that. <laughs> Why would you sell the bottom? I mean, I mean, like you know. Of course, I didn't know the fir the first thing about trading or market cycles or what any of this was. I was just like, I bought something, at, you know, thirty dollars and went down to two, so it's dead. Must uh, be worthless. That was the worst mistake of my life for sure. But you know what? I wouldn't have done if I had become rich off of Bitcoin at that point. Um, I wouldn't have gone on to do like reverb and I had a great time there. And, um, you know, my life would be very different probably. And I'm not sure if it would be for the better. It just, it just be different. So, uh, yeah, man. I, I'm fine with the way things turned out. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to do things that are going to cause us to look back and wish in Bitcoin, especially that we had done things differently, but you know, you, you get stuck in a, in a negative loop if you do that. So exactly. you got to just go forward. Exactly. 
Uh, how do you feel about Satoshi Nakamoto, Bitcoin's creator, being anonymous and the coins that he likely controls? Um, I think it's absolutely critical that he is anonymous, or at least it was critical for the um, creation of Bitcoin. I think that um, Satoshi being anonymous also adds a little bit of an air of mystery to the whole thing, which gives it some of that sort of mythical religious aspect, which I think is important for a culture a shift to take hold. Um, is it going to be important if Satoshi, say, comes back tomorrow? Uh, I don't think so as much because I think the system is sufficiently decentralized where that won't really matter. Um, I think the worst that could happen is let's say Satoshi comes tomorrow and decides to market sell all of his coins or her coins. Um, well, what's that going to do? A little depress the price for a bit, but again, just like the Phoenix rising from the ashes, once those coins are well di distributed, then uh, game on, you know? Yep. At what price? Would you permanently sell over 75% of the Bitcoin you hold, assuming there is no necessity to do so? Wait, assuming there's no necessity? Oh, just like for fun? Just to capture the gains? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd probably sell a little bit if it hit like 100K, you know? 75%. Oh, so I have to sell 75%? Yeah, I could sell 75% at 100K. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like if it hit 100K, I feel like we have decent worldwide adoption. And uh, it, at that point, you know, I would have, you know, a fair amount of, of coins I could... I could have those be in somebody else's hands. I don't want to be greedy. I have enough money. It'll be fine. <laughs> How far away from 100K do you think we are? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a conservative four years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that that's conservative, yeah. but I know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, there's people who think it's going to happen like, at the next heaven, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you learned about yourself or how have you changed, if at all, as a result of learning about and interacting with Bitcoin? Um, I have learned that I'm a horrible spender, which I knew before, but I think with, with Bitcoin and like affecting my thinking in, in a more low time preference way, I've at least started to contemplate like maybe I should delay the purchasing of this thing for some time um, and just see if my money appreciates in value, both Bitcoin and fiat, right? Because I have fiat and interest uh, bearing accounts. So it's like spend it today or spend it tomorrow, right? If you spend it tomorrow, you, you have more money to spend potentially. Uh, unless of course the prices of the thing you're spending it on go up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's influenced my, my thinking in terms of uh, thinking about interest rates and thinking about uh, time preference a bit more um, in my day-to-day -day life. Have you ever purchased other coins? If so, are you likely to do so again in the future? <laughs> I have purchased other coins. I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be coy about that, especially as I was getting into the ecosystem in like 2016, and then it was like the height of the Ethereum, you know, rager and and whatever. So yes, uh, I have purchased other coins. I will not purchase other coins again. Um, I will make one exception, which is I do think uh, like if we consider security tokens coins, which are basically just a form of stock um if country if it happens that a company start issuing stock that way i could see that happening but i don't i don't know that that will ever happen like in, in mass but it does appear to be a thing at the moment so i don't know but again that would just be stock it's not like a crypto money or anything like that yeah what is your most controversial or contrarian view or opinion if none on bitcoin any subject fair game <laughs> well, my contrarian view on Bitcoin is that it's going to take, you know, several generations for adoption. I think that's um, that's pretty contrarian to most Bitcoiners uh, that think it's happening tomorrow. Uh, so the hyper bulls are coming for you, man. Yeah, I see. I, I am hyper bullish, but just on a really long time scale. I'm like hundred years hyper bull. 
uh, 10 years, um, mildly bullish to, you know, neutral, because I think again, that there has to be a culture shift. So I would say that's my contrarian view. Um, and also that, uh, we're just not there with technology. We need to really improve the, the onboarding experience and everything for that to happen. You just kind of answered this, but <laughs> ballpark estimate of Bitcoin's price in five years. Yeah, I don't know, 100K-ish, I would say. It, was, it doesn't seem crazy, um, but I don't know. Do you believe there are any reliable ways at spotting a paradigm shift? If so, what are they? Oh, that's good. Um, well, I've lived through many paradigm shifts in my lifetime. I've been very lucky. Uh, I saw the internet, well, the web basically be born. I, you know, I was... I immigrated to the United States in 1989, um, 1993 or 92 is usually the considered the birth of the web. I saw that happen. Um, I knew it. I mean, I knew it in my bones as a kid. You know, I saw actually the first thing I saw was BBSs when people were like chatting online these phone systems. I knew it in my bones that that was the thing. Um, I knew that was happening, and I think the way you see these shifts is um, part of it's intuition. I don't know. I think some people see them, some people don't. Um, part of it is just being around technology and recognizing that um, that ex that technology develops exponentially. And when you see technology that's coupled with a culture shift, that's the most powerful thing of all, right? And that's how we get the real paradigm shifts. So I would argue that the web and, and um, online culture was the paradigm shift, right? Like the shifting of human interaction to online forms, uh, not, not just the web by itself, not just email by itself, but the and mass like migration of people to online forms of media was the culture shift. And, and when I see Bitcoin, I see that same thing happening, right? I see an en masse kind of um, conversion of people's perception of what money is to digital money. I see that happening um, regardless of Bitcoin. I see the, the, digit, the digitization of money as a paradigm shift in the world. And then we see that Bitcoin is just the open source version of that, right? And just like we saw with, with Linux, we saw, you know, the digitization of, of communication, and then we also saw Linux, the open source version of that. And now we have Android, and uh, it's powered by Linux, right? And like half the servers or more than the servers, most of the servers in the world are powered by Linux. So when you see an open system that captures the paradigm shift of that era come to be, like that's the place to be, and that's what Bitcoin is. It is the place, it's the open source money that we need um, in this era of digital money. Ooh. Do you have a morning routine? If so, what is it? Uh, I usually exercise in the morning. I have I, I do kung fu twice a week, um, and then on the days that I don't do kung fu, I'll probably uh, garden or do something else that's somewhat physical, uh, because I'm like a horrible. I'm not really a good morning person. So I get my kids to school. I'm like the stay-at-home dad kind of a person. Now. Not stay-at-home, but I'm a, I'm in charge of the drop-offs and pickups. So I do that, and then I do some physical activity, and then I like get on my computer and compute. <laughs> How do you define success? Uh, you know, for me, it's just about being happy with your everyday life because it's um, time is short. You know, you you got to be happy with the stuff you do day to day. So uh, I feel successful when I'm doing something that's uh, that's pleasing to me. That's ha and where hopefully I'm helping other people. Um, it's kind of like a nice side effect to that. But ultimately, if I'm doing something that's engaging for me, um, engages my mind and my body and whatever, then then I'm happy. Where or who is your go-to place to learn more about Bitcoin? Uh, well, Twitter. Twitter is the place. Um, there are many who's there, uh, but I'll just say some of my favorite people. Oh, man, this, I'm going to leave people out. I don't know. But I really like uh, pretty much everybody at Unchained Capital is awesome, uh, like Drew for the technical stuff, 
uh, Parker Lewis for the economic stuff. Uh, I love Stefan Levera podcast. Um, just the economic angle there is really great for me because I'm more of a technical person. So I love uh, learning more about Austrian economics. Uh, I like Peter McCormick's uh, podcast. Um, he asks good questions. Um, Marty Bentz. I like the, the, the Tales from the Crypt just for like kind of the what happened this week uh, format. I really like that. Um, but yeah, Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on there all day, every day. And if you follow <laughs> those people, then you'll branch out into other really good people as well. Yeah. It's just such an insanely efficient way at like info discovery, you know, yeah. cause it's soon people publish stuff, they throw it out there. Everybody's connected. It gets sent like wildfire through, you know, Bitcoin, Twitter, and everyone's up to date in a matter of a day. Yeah, it's funny wow. because I was actually uh, around at, uh, during Twitter's birth. I was doing my own startups and I saw Twitter be born. It came from another startup called Odeo. And a lot of people don't know this. Um, but I signed up for a Twitter account in 2006, which was pretty early. I think it was six months. Somebody pointed out to me that my account is only six months older than Jack's. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, six months, uh, you know, after him. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, the truth is I didn't really use Twitter until Bitcoin uh, came around. Like I, I was on Twitter. I was like, this is kind of interesting. What is this like micro blogging thing? Um, and then I was like, a lot of people are posting junk. I don't care about this. Went away for many years and then kind of came back uh, because I realized that that's where Bitcoin happens. Uh, or at least, you know, a small subset of Bitcoin is happening there. But I would argue that a lot of the sort of, you know, to use a horrible word thought leadership and, you know, like philosophy of Bitcoin is happening on Twitter. So it's worth it's worth hanging out there. Yeah, I I was the same way. For me, it was just a self curated news source for years, and then sometime early second quarter this year, I stumbled upon or happened in Bitcoin Twitter and got <laughs> you know complete completely sucked in. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, what is one action, important action that I or anyone else listening can take to up our game in your area of expertise? So if they want to improve, what's the best way you know how to do so at this point as it relates to Bitcoin ideally, but if not, anything is fine. Yeah, for Bitcoin, I would still, my still my go-to is Andreas videos. Watch the Andreas Antonopoulos videos. Um, I have two that I really like to recommend, which spoke to me, but there could be many. Um, one is Currency Wars, and that talks about the shift uh, in the world around the eradication of cash, as well as uh, people basically manipulating their currencies, uh, which is extremely relevant to what's happening today. 2019. He was three years early to that game. Um, he pretty much laid out what was going to happen uh, between the U.S. and China. He laid it out in 2016. He said this exact thing was going to happen. And so he probably didn't say the president was going to be tweeting that he, we need to devalue our currency. This is true. He did not say the president was going to be <laughs> tweeting it, but you know that was 2016. So uh, adjusted for 2019, it was pretty right on. Um, well, we're in a different world now. I'll tell you what. Uh, but. Yeah, the other video I really like is uh, Monolith of uh, immut Immutability, where he really talks about like how immutable, how hard to change Bitcoin is, which was a real um, game changer for me when I understood it. Uh, and I actually watched all the Andreas videos before I even read the white paper or read any other technical resources. And he did such a good job of um, explaining it that I felt really at home once I did dive into more of the technical stuff. So still recommend starting there for everybody. Yep. What is one question you'd like to see added to this list? <laughs> um, how about the question of what could uh, you personally be doing to help Bitcoin's adoption? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the people I'm speaking to are like doing something already, yeah, but, yeah. but I'll, like, I'll find a way to, to make that. Maybe rephrase it in work. some way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Word association. I'll say the word. You give me the first thing that pops up. I'm scared. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, shadow. Government. <laughs> Control. Hash rate. Power. The individual. Uh, free. Security. Good. <laughs> Ego. Bad. Greed. Very bad. Stack and sets. Um, uh, wealth. Fiat currency. Um, paper. Guns. Uh, violence. Inventing Bitcoin. <laughs> My book. Old <laughs> <laughs> coins. Uh, shit coins. Pizza. Delicious. Socialism. <laughs> uh, dangerous. Family. Uh, love. Trump. Uh, narcissist. <laughs> Future. Um, uh, optimistic. Libra. Uh, beast. Gold. Shiny. Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, strong. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That was the first word that came to my mind. <laughs> well, that's what it's for. Orange coin strong. Number go up. <laughs> Trademark. Let's get the t-shirt on that. Yeah, uh, and that's all I got for you, man. I right. really appreciate you uh, taking all this time to, to speak with me this morning. Um, really enjoyed your book and really love that you know, you're putting that kind of work out into the space, which hopefully will actually prove you wrong and will will foster adoption on a on a shorter timeline than you articulated here tonight but <laughs> thank you the beautiful Thanks, thing about all this is is we'll be able to uh watch it all play out yeah I, you know i, I hope i'm forward. wrong I, I hope i'm wrong and like bitcoin just solves all the world's problems tomorrow it'd be great <laughs> i'm i'm not like uh you know I, I always would love to be wrong i just like to set the bar low so i'm not disappointed <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, are there any uh, destinations, Twitter, website, anything like that you want to throw out? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is Scoop. That's S-K-W-P, super strange spelling, because it's a name that I chose when I was 14. That's from an Isaac Asimov uh, short story, but S-K-W-P is the name. And then uh, you can find my book on Amazon. It's called Inventing Bitcoin. You can also buy it at inventingbitcoin.com. If you want to spend your precious Bitcoin, I will take it off your hands. You can use it there. Use Lightning or Bitcoin, uh, powered by OpenNode, TM, whatever. They're pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah. Dude, it's funny. It's funny the names that we give our accounts. You know, when we're young, <laughs> when we're not thinking about it, like when we're doing right. it quickly. I, in in for this show, I started a new Skype account because when I first set up my Skype account, you know, it says, "What would you like to be your username?" And for a reason that I cannot fathom, <laughs> I, my I I typed in. Oily boy, O I L Y B O I. That's what that's what oh my God, username no. was for a decade <laughs> on Skype. So I thought maybe for this Amazing. I should change it. So, anyways, the things Amazing. we do when you, when we're young. Jan, thanks again sure. for joining me, man. I uh, I wish you all the best in the future, and look forward Thank to you. talking Thank to you in uh, you know six to twelve months when uh, whether it's a new book or whether that you just have uh, more to talk about on Bitcoin. Perfect. Just let me know. I'd love to have you, love to have you back anytime. Thanks a lot, John. It was a pleasure. All right, brother. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.